All right, everybody, welcome to New Life. How many of you guys are excited to be at church today? Yeah, I love that. I love that. I love the, guy, the fact that you guys come, you're excited. I mean, why not, right? You're here, we're here, God's here. Coffee's here, donuts here. Okay, good. I just want to see like where your loyalty lied, right? You guys did well. You cheered more for God. Good job. Good job. Good job. Doesn't mean we can't like coffee. Okay? Doesn't mean that, right? Or like donuts. It just means that Jesus comes first. Right on? Come on. Come on. I love that. I love it. That's the kind of church that we are. So you're here with us. We're one church, multiple locations. We've got a North Platte campus here at the Kearney campus, and everybody worshiping with us online as well. Hey, look, before we get into anything today, I just think we need to stop for a minute and we need to take a moment and pray. We've got a number of people in our church personally that I know of that have gone through a very difficult time this past week with uh, the flooding that's taken place. And, um, you know, they've lost, they've lost cattle. People have had entire basements flooded out. Um, we've had people, you know, trapped in communities for short periods of time. And so uh, I just want to stop for a minute because although maybe floodwaters subside, it doesn't mean that, you know, the effect of it goes away. Um, and one of the things that I'm so thankful for as a church is this kingdom builders. Uh, if you're a kingdom builder, you need to know that you should be very proud that you're giving. You're giving through New Life Church to empower some of our strategic partners. One of those strategic partners is Convoy of Hope. Convoy of Hope responds to disasters all around the world and brings relief. They also feed hundreds of thousands of children every single day, um, you know, that are hungry. And uh, they typically respond to hurricanes. You hear them respond to hurricanes. Uh, they've had pictures with, you know, past presidents serving the community right out of their trucks. Uh, they bring semi-loads of just goods to places that have been devastated. So you'll see it hurricanes, you'll see it in uh, tornadoes. I, I just heard um, a couple days ago, Convoy of Hope is sending relief supplies here to Nebraska. Uh, a lot of relief supplies are coming to Nebraska to meet some of the very practical needs that are happening in some of our uh, more rural communities that have been hit and hit really hard. That's one of our strategic partners. So if you're not a kingdom builder, Right? You're not giving above and beyond your tithe to be a kingdom builder here, then, you, then you're probably not partnering with organizations as, as radical as that. So I'm thankful that they're one of our partners. Be, be a kingdom builder. <clears throat> you could be helping to meet some of these very needs right here in our own community. So can we just stop for a minute and pray? I want you to pray uh, with me. I want you to pray for people that maybe you know right now that are in a difficult moment. Um, and, you know, they need, they need the hope that can come through Christ. Right? They, need, they need the encouragement that can come through Christ. They need the strength that can come through Christ. Let's, let's pray for our brothers and sisters here at our church, but let's also pray for our communities and those that we know that are in need. Come on, let's just do that together. <coughs> Jesus, we come before you. Uh, we bring our needs before you. That's one of the things that you, you invite us to do. We have brothers and sisters that are going through uh, difficult seasons right now. Uh, some have lost uh, tremendous amounts. Um, others are still trying to, you know, basically recover from the floodwaters that have uh, penetrated their homes. 
um, that have changed and altered their life in this past number of days. And it will still continue to do that in the days to come. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that you would give them strength, you would give them a peace, you would give them a hope, and that you would, in turn, also give them a joy uh, that transcends the, the, the devastation. Um, it transcends the difficult. Um, it, uh, it holds them up. So, Lord, uh, pick them up, help them to have hope in you and to have their faith uh, rock solid in you as they walk through a difficult season. Meet the needs of our brothers and sisters here at New Life. Meet the needs of those in our community. Um, Lord, help our church figure out ways that maybe we can meet practical needs. If there's any, Lord, show them to us. People here sitting in our seats right now, if they have friends, family members, coworkers that have gone through a difficult moment that, Lord, they could just respond right now by doing something practical, whatever that is. Drop ideas into the hearts of this church so we can be the hands and the feet of Jesus during a difficult season. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Um, look, uh, there's some other things that are happening though that are very, very exciting, okay? Our North Platte campus has been growing we uh, kind of capped out about a year and a half ago. We've tried all kinds of stuff. We have a downtown building that is uh, landlocked. It's parking locked, right? There's no parking lot that we own in the downtown area of North Platte. People park on the streets and they park far away. We have a parking team. We've just tried all kinds of stuff to get more and more people to come and we've kind of capped out. And so we realized what we're gonna have to do is we're gonna have to get a new building. We're gonna have to move to a whole new place. That's a big, big deal, by the way. So when our membership came together last Sunday, we made a critical decision for the future of our North Black campus. We want the North Black campus to not be a sibling of the Carney campus. We want it to become a peer to the Carney campus so that the two of us can lock arms together and we can do things for the kingdom of God that one church could never do alone. And that's kind of our dream and our hope. So we're moving to a new facility. We're gonna close on it uh, prayerfully on May the 1st and we're gonna move into it. This is the new building. It looks awesome, right? It's, yeah, come on. <laughs> we use about 8,800 feet, square feet of space at the North Platte campus. This whole building's 50,000 square feet. We're gonna use half of it. Um, we're gonna use 25,000, and the other half is actually leased out to two other tenants and we're going to let them build God's kingdom by paying their rent. Yeah. That's how we're going to do it. So thank you to the two of you that are in there. And um, may God bless those businesses and the future ones to come so that we can keep reaching more people. That kind of square feet, guys, is going to allow us to reach hundreds and hundreds of more people. So here's my challenge to you in North Platte. Look at me. Look me in the eye right now. Look me in the eye. You got a lot of work ahead of you. We're for you. We're one church in multiple locations, but we're dreaming big dreams that hundreds, if not thousands of people come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior in North Platte. All right? Come on. Yeah. It's a new day, people. Keep tithing. Okay, so let's talk about some other things. This series that we're in, The Lord's Prayer. Um, have you ever wanted something like really bad? You just had to have it, okay? 
You wanted it, you had to have it, but when you got it, it wasn't exactly what you thought it would be. Let's, let me give you some examples of this whole idea. Let's say you wanted a new house and you wanted it to be really big, right? Your other house was too small. So instead of just incrementally getting a house that's larger, you know, the next step, you went like three or four or five steps beyond that because you just wanted a really big house, okay? And you justified it for all kinds of reasons. Like, we're going to have this really big house because the grandkids come once a year. Okay, all right. So you had your really good justification. You bought the really big house. It's exactly what you thought you wanted until you got into it. And then the tax bill came. And the tax bill was radically more than your old little house, right? The utility bill shows up radically more than your little house that you had, right? All of a sudden, there's more to clean than you've ever had to clean before, right? And then there's these little cubby holes all over the place that just demand that you go to the furniture store and spend tens of thousands of dollars to fill. <clears throat> all because you wanted the next big house, right? You wanted it, but then there's all these other pieces that come with it. If you don't get that one, maybe you'll get this one. You, you thought to yourself, like, I am the shoe-in for that promotion. I deserve that management job. I'll do a way better job than the last manager. I am overqualified for the position, right? And then you get the position only to find out it's more stress, it's longer hours that you have to work, and it's unrealistic expectations that you have to meet. And then somewhere at 3 o'clock in the morning, you're crying yourself to sleep, praying that you can get your old job back again. <laughs> right? Are you, you catching my drift here? Things you really, really wanted, and then you got them, and they weren't exactly what you thought. You know, if that one doesn't make sense to you, maybe this one will. Marriage. I'm not talking about the 30-year-old marriage. We got it all figured out when we've been married for that long. Right? I'm talking about the new marriage when, you know, you, you've got this fairy tale idea of what marriage is going to be. It's going to be like dating every night. You know, conversation is always just going to be spot on. We're never going to fight. We're always going to encourage each other. Sex is going to be great every single night. We're never going to be tired. <clears throat> Man, you guys got excited about that one. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons why we say this service is for, you know, teens and adults. Well, really, teens, don't listen to what I just said. <laughs> Marriage can be difficult, man. It can be difficult, right? It doesn't always, it doesn't, every day isn't just this fairy tale thing. And so we go into it with these ideas and then we have to learn what it's really like to live with another person. And we have to learn what it's like to give up some of our little, you know, stupid things that we do that they don't like, and we have to let it go. And there's, there's giving and compromising and loving, you know, and I mean, it's just, there's a lot. So you, you get it, and then you realize it's not exactly what I thought, but you have to make the adjustments to make it work. So, like, there's a lot of things like that. I think that this next verse that we're going to look at is a little bit in that capacity. It's Jesus helping us in our prayer life, right, to ask for something. If you don't know exactly what it is you're getting ready to ask for, then it could be overwhelming and daunting. But yet he encourages us to ask for this. He encourages us to pray for it. I want to help you understand what I'm talking about. Let's look at this very next verse in the Lord's Prayer. 
It says, may your kingdom come soon, Father, and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This one verse has a lot wrapped up into it. And if you don't know what you're praying, you're praying a dangerous prayer. If you don't know what you're really asking for and you're not ready for it, it's going to be completely outside of your realm of, of, of ability to even wrap your head around it. So why would Jesus bring this to us and say, hey, when you pray, pray in this way. Now, I've told you since the beginning of this series, the Lord's Prayer is not something that I just want you to, you know, just requote over and over and over again. It's just, that, that loses its power. But I am going to say this this week. At the end of this message, my prayer is that you will understand this one simple passage because I want you to actually walk away this week and pray this verse over your life. That'll hopefully make sense by the time we get done. So when Jesus said, look, pray like this. Father, may your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That would be like what another translation of the Bible would say. When he said that, I guarantee you, Jesus had a picture in his mind of what the kingdom of heaven was like. Let's remember, he came from the kingdom of heaven, right? He was there when earth was created as well. He knows what it looks like for the kingdom of heaven and God's will that's being done there to come and be done on this earth. So what we're going to have to do if we're going to get into this verse is we're going to have to get into the very heart and into the mind of Christ to understand exactly what it is he's talking about. If you're going to grasp how to pray, God, yeah, I truly want your kingdom and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the first thing you got to wrap your head around is that Jesus is the full embodiment of the kingdom. He is the kingdom of God in flesh, standing before man, representing everything that the kingdom of God sounds like, looks like, feels like. Jesus was that full embodiment. In fact, look at what happened one day in Luke chapter 17. It says that one day the Pharisees, they asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus replied, the kingdom of God cannot be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, hey, here it is, or it's over there. For the kingdom of God is what? It's already among you. Jesus at this moment was talking. He's saying, look, I am the kingdom. And if you don't get this first thing, what I'm standing in front of you, if you don't get it, even 2,000 years later that Jesus represents the kingdom of God, you're not going to get any of it. That Jesus is the one who said it again. He goes, look, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father. No man gets to the kingdom of heaven unless he or she comes through me. Here he is going, I am here. So church, look, if, if you're here and you're, you're wrestling with who is Jesus and you're wanting to know, should I surrender my life to him? I'm just here to tell you today that in Jesus' own words, he is like, look, I am representing all that it is to be a part of God's kingdom. He's perfect in every way. He was sinless. Every word he spoke had purpose. Every story he told had a purpose. Every miracle that he performed had a purpose. 
Everywhere he went had a purpose, and that purpose kept coming back to, let me tell you about the kingdom. Let me tell you about the kingdom. Let me model the kingdom. Let me model the kingdom. So first, we have to wrap our head and our heart around Jesus. Secondly, you have to look at, well, what does the kingdom of heaven look like, really? Because Jesus said, look, there's a difference right now. There's this kingdom of heaven and there's this kingdom of earth. And what we should really want is for this kingdom of heaven to become alive and well here on earth. So what would that actually look like? So to take that, to understand that, let's go back to a verse in Psalms. Psalms 103 says that the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over how much? So what's the difference between the kingdom of heaven versus what we experience here on earth? Well, right now, everything in the kingdom of heaven is ruled and dominated by the authority of the king, the theocracy of God, his rule and his reign, that God is reigning over everything. There is nothing operating in the heavenly realm outside of the authority of the king. Nothing, everything is under his reign. If there were governments, they're under his reign. If there were businesses, they're under his reign. If there are organizations, they're under his reign. Angels, under his reign. Right? No, it doesn't matter what it is. All of it is under his reign. He's over it all. So then the third thought then would be this. In light of that, what will change then here on earth if the kingdom of God in heaven were to come to earth, what would change? Here's what would change. Instantaneously, everything would come underneath the rulership of Jesus. Yes, everything. Are you a businessman or a woman out there and you think you run a really important business? He would be over it. You have faith or hope in some kind of a government institution? He would be over it. He would rule everything. Everything would come back to him. He would be the stopping point on all things authority-wise. The leadership, the lordship of the king would rule it all, including you. And you and I, we would not be living independent lives doing what we want to do because that would be outside of the authority of the lordship of Christ. You wouldn't be able to just do whatever you want to do in the sense of, like, I'm going to be independent. I'm not going to follow the leadership of the king. Really? That's not going to last, but like a millisecond. When the kingdom of heaven comes the kingdom of earth. What I want to make sure that we are clear on here today is this. When Jesus is saying, pray like this, Father, may your kingdom and your will that dominates and rules in heaven, may it dominate and rule here on the earth. He's not first talking about a governmental rule. He's first referring to a rule on the throne of this, right here, you. Now we know biblically that the Bible describes a time that's coming in our future where Jesus will reign and rule as the king of this earth over all governments, all businesses, all organizations, and all of humanity. That day is coming. It's called the millennial reign. 
It's the second coming of Christ when he comes back to rule. That's where you and me will spend. I'm looking forward to that day. That's not what he's first talking about. He's first talking about what happens before that day when you and me submit ourselves to the lordship of Christ and he, he sits on the full throne. See, I think some of our lives, I think some of our lives we dupe ourselves. Oh yeah, Jesus is on the throne. It's just one of the thrones. And we've kind of had this warped mentality of what God's kingdom coming really means. Like I'll let Jesus sit on the throne of my heart in the areas that I feel comfortable with but I've got some other thrones that I sit on. And Jesus is going, no, 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 no. No, when my kingdom comes from heaven to earth, and I wanna be, when I'm the king of your life, I will be the king over all thrones. And church, that's why we're working out our salvation on this earth. We're not working it out by our works. We're not trying to do things physically to try to impress God. That's not what we're doing. Okay, that doesn't work. But what we're working out our salvation is this. All those miniature thrones of your life, we all need to be, including me, we all need to be letting Jesus take more and more and more and more and more control. And that's what he's wanting to do. Jesus gave us kind of his kingdom manifesto in the Sermon on the Mount when he kicked off his ministry. Preached this amazing sermon that gave us this incredible picture of a radical kingdom that was totally different than anything you and me have ever seen. And his kingdom manifesto was all about the kingdom of God coming and reigning and ruling inside of your heart. It was all about that. And he made statements like this. He said, God blesses you who are poor and realize your need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is yours. He starts defining what does it look like to have the kingdom of heaven come and live inside of your life and for Jesus to be the king. He goes, so if, if you're poor and you realize your need for him, the kingdom of heaven is yours. Then he goes on to tell us some other things about the kingdom of heaven being yours. He goes, look, blessed are you who mourn. Blessed are you who are humble. Blessed are you who hunger and thirst for justice. Blessed are you, right, who seek, seek after mercy who are merciful. Blessed are you whose hearts are pure. Blessed are you who work for peace. He went on and even said, blessed are you who are persecuted for my name's sake. But then he flipped all of it on its, on its head. He goes, but woe to you. Sorrow awaits you who are rich. Sorrow awaits you who are fat and prosperous. Sorrow awaits you who laugh. Sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds. The picture of the kingdom of God is upside down, guys, from any other kingdom than you and me have ever known or experienced on this earth. It's backwards from the way that man thinks. That's what makes it so hard to pray the prayer. It's what makes it so dangerous to pray the prayer. Yeah, it sounds good. Let your kingdom from heaven come to earth. It's dangerous when we're not ready for it. It's dangerous when we don't understand it. It's like messing with nuclear power when you don't know how it all works. And we dabble and we toy with God and we invite him into our life in these little areas, but he's like, no, that's not who I am at all. My kingdom's upside down. The things that the kingdoms of the world seek after, 
the riches and the prosperity and the laughter and for them to have self-fame. He goes, my kingdom's not like that at all. It's upside down. I look for the humble at heart. I look for the merciful. I look for the peacemaker. I look for those who are willing to give up their life and lose it for my name's sake. I look for those who thirst after justice, my justice reigning and ruling on the earth. It's like, that's who God is. For you and me to start praying this kind of a prayer, we have to be ready to say, yes, God, you can have complete control. And we have to be man and woman enough to admit we haven't given him complete control. We have to be humble enough to say, there's areas of my life that are still not under the domination of your authority. We have to be ready and willing to let Jesus take the capital, the throne, the only throne of our lives. So I want you to listen to what Jesus, I think, was really trying to teach us through the words, your kingdom come and you will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I look at this and I see Jesus saying this. Jesus was teaching us to stay in an attitude of surrender. I mean, to constantly be evaluating our lives and going, who really sits on the throne right now? Yeah, but who sits on the throne now? And the next time I'm in a business meeting, who sits on the throne? And the next time I'm looking at my 401k, who sits on the throne? And the next time I'm in the doctor's office and I'm looking at my medical issues, who sits on the throne? And the next time I'm at a family you know, event that's got some tension to it, who sits on the throne? Right? You see what I'm saying? The next time everything's going really, really well for months on end, who sits on the throne? And the next time I'm down in the lowest dump I've ever been before, who sits on the throne? It's a little bit like playing King of the Hill. When I was a kid, we played King of the Hill. And I was awesome at King of the Hill. I mean, I just threw my body into things, right? So my dad, he would get up on the king bed, right? And he would get on all fours. And me and my sisters, we would try to knock him off the bed. Guess who won, guys? Dad, you're right. Good choice. Good choice. <laughs> he was bigger, right? He's bigger. He should have won most of the time. But I know as I look back now, he let me win sometimes. But most of the time, he won. And we were cool with that. We would just throw our bodies at him. I mean, if I could have jumped up on his dresser and off, you know, onto him, I would try to do all kinds of that WWE wrestling stuff, like, right? Coming down on you, like, all out like this. Man, you know the worst gift, the worst, (laughs) along with this idea, the worst gift I ever got as a kid was when my grandmother bought me and my dad boxing gloves. That was the worst gift ever. Because then we, you know, we used them. And then I didn't like getting punched in the face. I'm just saying. It was, I, I didn't like it. I liked, I liked my friends coming over, right, and going, hey, you guys want to box my dad? I, I loved watching that happen. That was awesome. Like, I would manage that ring any day, right? So king of the hill, like, who's going to be on top? Who's going to win? And it was right for my dad to win. You want to know the secret? Okay, here's one of the secrets. Secret to your spiritual life? Let Jesus be the king of the hill more often than not. Because we're human. 
And there's going to be times where you're going to kick him right off the king, king of the hill. You're going to knock him right off. So while we're living, while we're living, we should have the similar attitude as the Apostle Paul had. The Apostle Paul had an amazing attitude about life. Whether he was in prison or he was a free man, he had an incredible attitude about it. In fact, he wrote these next words from prison when he said these words in Philippians 1. He says, for to me, okay, for to me. That means it's just about me. Living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. <laughs> Look, I've heard this scripture preached a lot. I have not heard a lot of people talk about living means living for Christ. I've heard a lot of people mention it as dying is better. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. I get it. Like to die is the gain when you're a believer. To die is to be with Jesus forever. All right? But I don't get to choose when I die. I do get to choose how I live, though. So to live, what does he say? Living means to live for Christ. It's just another way to say this. Jesus is on the throne of my life. He was saying this when he was a free man. And he's saying this when he's in prison. He's saying this after he gets beaten and left out on the streets for dead. And he's saying this when the church is blessing him to go to the next town and plant another church. He's going, look, to live is to live for Christ. I want every minute of every day to be maximized for the king of kings. And Paul's going, I'm all in. It's an absolute. There's no argument about it, right? There's no turning back. Like, I am for Christ every minute of every day. That needs to be our attitude. So, here's my encouragement. Surrender to Jesus every day. Every single day. This week, I want you to pray this prayer. Jesus, may your kingdom come and your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Just change it. Instead of this earth, change it to you. May your kingdom come and your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. How many times do I want you to pray that every day? As often as you have to. Here's what I mean. You're going to go into a business meeting and you're all, you're all stressed out about it and you're trying to figure out all the solutions. Would you recognize right then who's not on the throne? And would you just take a moment and pray? May your kingdom come, may your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Okay? No matter what you're facing, all of a sudden you run into something and you, know, you, you get this bad attitude and you had this argument going on with a person and you just want to hold this grudge and you recognize, whoop, who's on the throne? It's not Jesus. May your kingdom come, may your will be done in my life right now as it is in heaven. And I want you to keep coming back to that moment so that you keep establishing Jesus is the king of my life. I want his kingdom to reign and to rule in me. If you have to do that 100 times every day, praise God. And if by Saturday you're only doing it 50 times a day, progress. I just think if we will take some time to be a little bit more in tune with who's actually sitting on the throne more often take checkpoints throughout the day to recognize it. It's like going to the chiropractor. You just keep getting aligned, getting aligned, getting aligned, and the muscles keep getting stronger and stronger and stronger, and, and the habit of who sits on the throne becomes something that you're more and you're more and you're more aware of. Surrender to him and let him have his way, church. Here's the second thing I think he's teaching us. I think that Jesus was teaching us to constantly be aware of those who still need to surrender to him. At the church, you and me, 
We're like a colony of the kingdom. We represent the king. We have a colony here in North, in Kearney. We have a colony in North Platte. There's a colony down the road at another church. We've got these colonies of the kingdom and we represent the king in our actions and the way we love one another. Jesus is the one who said, look, the world's gonna know that you're my disciple, that you live underneath the lordship of the king by your love for one another, church. By the way you treat each other, by the way you meet each other's needs, by the way that you know, neighbors pull up periodically and they see this house with all these cars in front of it and they're wondering to themselves, why is it that people meet at this house every single week? And then they find out, oh, you kind of run a life group there. Like people from your church actually like to get together. That's awesome. They see you out serving like the group that went out to the Jubilee Center and served a couple weeks ago. Way to go, guys. They see you finding needs because of these high waters that have happened and they see you going and meeting the needs. We're not doing it so they see us, but they're gonna see it. You're like a colony, you're a representation of it. Jesus said it this way. In John 8, he goes, Jesus spoke to the people once more and he said, look, I'm the light of the world and if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you have the light that leads to life. I'm, I'm one man who's thoroughly excited that Jesus did that in my life, amen? He doesn't leave it there though. He turns around in Matthew 5 and he says this, you now are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. That we are the people that are supposed to let our light shine like a flashlight in the midst of like a, the, the most difficult storm you've ever been through that hits at three o'clock in the morning and all the lights are out. A flashlight could save your life. It could lead you downstairs into that little spot where you wanna take shelter because a big tornado's coming. And in the midst of three o'clock in the morning and all the lights are out and you're in a room with no windows, it's amazing how a little light in a very dark space can make a really big difference. It can make people feel better. It can make people have more security. It can calm people's emotions. That's who you are in this world. We live in a really dark world. It's amazing how a little bit of light in a really dark world can make a really big difference. And that's what God wants to do through your life. So can I encourage you? Let the light of Jesus shine in your life through your surrender to the king, letting his kingdom come from heaven to earth in your life. Let your light shine in such a way that it makes it hard for your friends, coworkers, and neighbors to go to hell. Let your light shine in such a way that it makes it hard for people in Nebraska to go to hell, in Kearney to go to hell in North Platte to go to hell. Did you realize that's why you have the light of Christ shining through you? It's the same reason that Jesus said, I, he goes, look, I'm the light of the world. And when people follow me, they come out of darkness into light. They're, they're, they're like jerked right off the path that's going to hell and they're brought right onto the path that's going to heaven. Now he says, you're the light of the world. Make it difficult for people to go to hell. Be willing to do anything short of sinning to help one more person come to know Jesus. That's, who our, that's what our church is. That's what we represent here at New Life. That's why we do some of the crazy radical things that we do. We call them creative, whatever you call them. That's why we do things like that. We're trying to make it hard for people to go to hell in our town and we're willing to do anything short of sin to lead one more person to Jesus. So in your life, I guarantee you, 
There's some miniature thrones that need to be surrendered to God. This morning is the moment. Would you stand with me and just bow your head? What are the thrones that need to be surrendered to God today? And I want you to say them to God as we pray here in just a second. What are those thrones? What part of the value of the kingdom of heaven do we lack here in earth that needs to rule your life? What are some of those values? A passion for the lost? Willingness to risk everything for one more person to come to know Jesus? What values need to change? What miniature thrones of your life need to disappear so that Jesus can be the king over it all? And as we pray, would you just bring that to the Lord today? Jesus, we recognize, we recognize that, Lord, you are the king over all of the heavens. And you invite us to pray a very dangerous prayer, but a prayer that could radically change our life. And and it's a prayer that invites your kingdom to come here on earth and to have your way in our life. Lord, that's exactly what we want to do at this very moment. We recognize that we all too often have multiple thrones. Multiple thrones. You sit on one of them, but you want to sit on the throne over it all. May we elevate you as we lower ourselves. May we humble ourselves, because that's your kingdom, so that you might be elevated. Lord, would you, would you teach us your values, that your kingdom would come in our life more and more every day. I pray for this church as they pray this radical prayer this week, that, Lord, they would recognize how often we play king of the hill with you and we knock you off the top. We do it all the time. May we just keep adjusting who sits on the throne and keep bringing you back, keep bringing you back, keep bringing you back. So Lord, we do pray this. Church, I would invite you just to pray this in your own way with me. Lord, we do invite you, we pray that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done on earth in my life as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.